official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Good morning. That was my impression of a rooster. This is the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but it's a brand new episode. Can you feel a brand new episode? Can you feel a brand new episode? Uh, if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, September 11th, not a happy date, in the year 2021 at dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, please leave me a rating or a review or both on whichever audio platform you use. Email me anything at adam at adamsank.com. Like our Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your ass merch at adamsank.com. Remember, you can call the ass hotline anytime you like, even if it's the middle of the night. Let's say you've just awoken from an erotic dream and you want to share it with us. The number is 804-TALK-ASS. Our guest today is the legendary Suzanne Westenhofer, the first openly lesbian comedian ever to appear on television. That was back in 1991. And it's the first time we've had her on the ass since 2017, which is a crime and a shame. She's one of my favorite people, and she will be talking to us a little later in the show. But first, it's time to welcome back everyone's favorite pig pen, the one and only Ryan Frostig. Hello, listeners. Hello, Ryan. How are you, my dear? That was my brand new day reference. Hello, world. Hello, world. Um, you know, last week we didn't even really get to talk about what uh, what's new with you and your world and well, what you're up to. Well, um, for the listeners, today is uh, September 10th, no, 11th, which means two days ago I turned 30. Yes! Even happy now. birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Look Thank at you, you very big much. 30-year-old. I'm so old. I'm just kidding. How do you feel about turning 30? Oh, my God. I mean, the boring answer is I'm, like, kind of anxious and stressed about it. But really, I'm, a, I'm actually very excited to leave my 20s behind. It's been chaotic. It's been transformative. It's been all the things. Filled with sex and weed and... All of it. But I'm really, Sweat. but I really am feeling like an evolved uh, version of myself. You know, the last time I entered a new decade at age twenty, it was just a completely different human being. Infant, I was a baby, and when I showed up on your doorstep in a basket, in a basket from the stork, I mean, at twenty-five, with a half-broken locket in my quarter-life crisis, you were there to uh, certainly was shepherd and 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 guide me. So I'm I'm very happy to be thirty and. Uh, Maybe when do you turn thirty? Um, you do. I'm two years after you. Oh, for some reason mm. I thought you were I also. I always thought you were the same age. Yeah. No, no, she's two years older than me. JB's just a little baby. Yeah. I haven't reached the thirties yet. Again, like that, uh, I've seen them all the time. <laughs> Millennials reaching their thirties, and they're running away. I'm like, bitch, I'm ready for it. I want to be old. Welcome, JB <laughs> Bursey, as our uh, producer, as always. Yeah, yeah. I I will say the last thing. I have been cramming a lot of like. What I what I think is, I don't know, twenty something behavior. Like, we went on a boat party and did K and danced and I don't know. It was fun. But like, as I go into my thirties, I'm like, I want to continue going out. And I don't think like being thirty means you have to like not have fun or go out. But I my early twenties were not spent doing early twenty things. Like I didn't go out dancing or like doing drugs. I was very like inside watching YouTube videos, like getting high, smoking pot. And now that I'm like 30, I'm, me like, right now. I'm like, let's go out. Let's go dancing. Mm, Tits mm, out mm. for the boys. Tits, Tits out, out for, for the, the boys. boys. Yeah, I mean, your 30s, I think, certainly your early 30s are, that was a big party time for me. And not the happiest time, just FYI. Yeah. Um, I, I do think if I can teach you anything, it's <laughs> that moderation is key. Yes. Moderation in everything in your life. Absolutely. Whether it's, Work, sex, drugs, uh, television, uh, everything. Everything in moderation. Food, 
and you will have a better life. That is the secret. I'm continuing to learn that lesson, What's Adam. that from? My brain. I just made okay. it. Um, <laughs> right before we went on the air today, I was playing JB a uh, racially problematic joke that I used to tell on stage and haven't told in over a decade. And uh, that kind of leads us to our topic to start the show with, which is how do you guys feel about artists and art that once seemed fine, but are today problematic. Example, Woody Allen movies. Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest movies ever made, and yet I believe Woody Allen um, sexually abused his daughter. Uh, I especially believe it after watching this, the HBO documentary that came out this year. It was really very eye-opening and really changed the way I felt once I had all the information. Um, I still think Hannah and Her Sisters is you know, one of the greatest movies ever, and it's a movie that I still like watching. Am I allowed to enjoy it? Can we enjoy art and artists even when we know that uh, they're not, they've done something that is not okay? I think so. But my, okay, this is my example. I love Michael Jackson's music. Yes, great example. I, it, it is the music that, like, for me, defined what music is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still listen to it. I still love it. That being said, when the Broadway musical about Michael Jackson's life opens on Broadway later this season, I don't think I will be in attendance because I don't support his story. While like I do understand the nuance of like his life and maybe why he did some of the things that he did, I, I he did he did a lot of bad things. So I don't want to necessarily support the story of his life the sanitized version yeah exactly for like the, the you know the great white way but i will continue to listen to his music so yeah this is this is tricky i don't know because some what do you think okay so here's here's my point everything in this world is problematic but you don't let you enjoy it perfect example is buffy the vampire slayer mm. we all remember how i mean during its time when it came out it was so good and whatnot and it's about female pop but watching it now it's super problematic they refer lesbians as witchcraft they never really talk about the gay thing they treat their black characters like pieces of shits but you still love it you probably will still go back and watch it so what the, like buffy's not being remade to fit this time Right. And you're not, like, your past is your past. You've grown from it. Right. I think it's unfair to judge art of any kind by today's standards. Yes. Because right. Because it's always going to look different. Always. Through, t through a contemporary lens um, than through today's lens. You know, I love Friends. I think Friends is one of the greatest right. shows ever. Clearly, if Friends were to be made today, it would not be cast with six white actors yeah. and no characters of color. That That's insane. Right. But in the 90s... That was a, a that is that was the norm. Shows were either white shows or black shows. You didn't have mixed shows. And yes, that was a problem then, and it's certainly a problem now, but it doesn't change the fact that it's one of the best written and funniest and well acted sitcoms of all time. Right. So But see here, I, I don't I don't feel like we can't enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. And I think but I think that you bring up a good example and I'm you know, I won't repeat the the joke we were talking about before the air but like that joke that you told however many years ago objectively you would never tell today period Correct. friends the idea of six white people being friends it doesn't necessarily work through the lens of modern times but there's nothing like offensive about these people well, there were some, there were other offensive things sure. about friends and, and on every show i mean like any show from the 90s any of the shows that we love Will and Grace, Sex and the City. Oh. There are so many quote unquote problematic things, but also like I think that I think that like anything, there are obviously many different levels of problematic behavior. Like yeah. sexual abuse is on like the top, or like right. out out outward racism is like at the top. But some of the stuff that's a little bit more nuanced, like it just was a different time. And we we have evolved. And I think a lot of times you see it with some of the shows that come back for reboots or if they like, you know, like the Sex and the City reboot. Sorry, I can't speak today. I'm like, Bruh. but like they the um, they finally have a black woman joining. They the have cast. a couple women of color joining the yeah. cast. So like as long as there is a there is some sort of like 
progress made. Um, but that has nothing to do with the original series. I mean, th- we're talking about like, how do you feel watching Sex in the City now when they refer to the trans women outside Samantha's apartment? Yeah. Like, that was, at the time, I thought that was a hilarious episode. And I didn't even think it was insensitive to right. trans people at the time. That's how miseducated I was. Well, exactly. But looking back now, it's like, oh my it God, makes they me, say so many terrible things. It makes me temporarily uncomfortable. But then I'm like, this was not filmed yesterday. This was filmed. Like, I, I'm able to move past it. But right. that's me and my privilege right. just being like, this exactly. is this doesn't offend me. Therefore, it's it okay for me. I yeah. mean, okay, well, so the people who bring up, uh, this is my last point, the people who bring up your mistakes from past and, and not knowing your future is people who just want to talk and be angry at something. Bitch, go deal with your mom issues and dad issues somewhere else. Please don't bring that shit to me. See, this I agree with, because we are in a world where abortion rights are being taken away. Voting yes. rights are being taken away. Yes. There's a massive disinformation campaign, which is convincing people not to get vaccinated. I don't think arguing about sex in the city or Friends or right. Woody Allen or a joke I told in 2009 is going to fix any of those problems. No, it won't. And I think that that's where our energy and our resources should be devoted so to me, it's a misappropriation of resources when people start to go back and say, "Well, what about this and what about that?" It may make you feel, it may make you feel better, but it doesn't make things better. Michael Rice is back for a quick second to say hello because he left something here, and Lady is great. And him. you people need to check your privilege who's who's doing these things because again, you have nothing else better to do than to harass this poor soul. Shade. You're talking about me as the portal? I'm talking about you as a portal, yes. Thank you you, you as the reference. I don't think I'm a victim, but uh, oh, no, I'm I, not saying you're a victim. I I'm take responsibility saying, for yeah. any joke I ever told that was offensive or stupid or hurtful. I take full responsibility and I won't do it anymore and haven't done it. But um at the same time I don't know why that you would pick one thing I've said over a fifteen year comedy career and and say that that defines me as a person. Anyway. Wow. Um, let's go back to the reason I brought this up, which is that, you know, I love a list and Buzzfeed, which is where I get most of my list stories from. They were, um, they, they had like an outreach to readers. They said, if you want to compile a list, we will, you know, and we publish it, you can get money based on the number of clicks and interactions and so forth. So I thought of this idea, like, what about the 10 songs from the eighties that are really problematic now? And I was all set to do it, and I had all these ideas. And then I thought, you know, I should really go online and see if someone's already thought of this. Hmm. And lo and behold, I found a blog called Scary Mommy. And in That's 20, scary. back in 2018, Scary Mommy did a list of um, six songs from the 80s that are very problematic. Now, I have to say, I think their list sucks. <laughs> and they missed two really big ones. But here's their list. It start with Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Do you guys know this song? No. This was my era. This was the, one of the hugest songs of my era. It really helped define the MTV generation. If you know it, you'll know it from the guitar riff that goes... Yeah. Actually, that's Satisfaction. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's close to that. But anyway, it's... The, the premise of the song is there's a bunch of blue-collar guys who are working. They're on the job, and there's a television set on wherever they're working showing MTV, and they're complaining about what they're seeing on MTV. So there's this verse that goes, That little faggot with the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, that's his own hair. That little faggot's got his own jet airplane. That little faggot, he's a millionaire. We got to move, install microwave ovens. Custom kitchens, refrigerator. We got to move the. It's a really good song. Anyway, um, Scary Mommy says there's a lot wrong with this situation, not just the homophobia, but also there's a line that says uh, money for nothing and chicks for free. Um, I've noticed that in the past few years, radio stations have begun bleeping the F word when they play this song. Hooray for progress. Again, I, as a performer, I believe context is everything. Yes. Dire Straits is not a homophobic band. They are speaking in the voice of characters they created for the song, and you're not supposed to agree with the characters or identify with them. As a gay man, I can appreciate that, and at the time, I could appreciate that. But, okay, if we're, if we're going to make a rule that straight people can't use the F word, then I guess they can't, they can't say that. The next thing on their list is Walk Like an Egyptian by the mm. Bangles. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. this song? Yes. Walk Like an Egyptian. Very catchy song. 
huge in during my era. Uh, Scary Mummy says, you know what was super cool in the 80s? Doing the walk like an Egyptian dance. You know who I'm betting didn't think this was cool at all? Egyptian people. Because surprise, they didn't actually walk like that. That walk was based on ancient Egyptian drawings and wasn't anything to do with modern Egyptians. Problematic? You betcha. But I thought that's what the song about. It was talking about the old Egyptians, uh, not the new Egyptians. Like, yeah, doo, doo, exactly. Doo, 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 doo. And also the Michael Jackson thing. Doo, doo. Right. Of course. <laughs> I don't think anyone who heard the song thought that they were imitating modern-day Egyptians. I think in the same way when people imitate Romans and they put on togas and leaves yeah. around their head, they're not saying modern Italians living in Rome dress like this. No. I really don't. I, 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 here's my thing with when I read something like this. Let's ask Egyptians. <laughs> find me an Egyptian yes. who has a problem with that song, and I will believe them. Just find me one, Agreed. and I will never <laughs> sing that song again. Just what? But until we do, I think that's you're making an assumption that Modern yeah. Egyptians are offended by a song about ancient Egyptians. Um, the next song, I was shocked when I saw it because I was like, what is offensive in this? It's Do 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 by the police. Do 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 Da 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 is all I want to say to you. It was one of their big hits, 1980. Sounds like a winner. There's one line where Sting says, when the um, da, 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 escapes you, that logic ties you up and rapes you. Oh. But it's yeah. It, it's not about rape. They're using the word rape. Right. But it's it, if I could remember the fucking line, it would be helpful. But, but the context is a, the logic of something rapes you. It's not an actual human being who's raping you. It's metaphorical rape. That's it. You know, that's interesting because... And I, I'd be curious, JB, what you think of it. It's like the word rape is similar to the word like slave for me. Like when, when I hear slave being used in like the Britney Spears song, I'm a slave for you. It's like she doesn't mean it in that way, but that's the word that like that's the the definition that we kind of like think of immediately. Right. We, we no longer want to eroticize and, slave in any way. I mean, again, like like Adam says earlier, I'm a big believer in context. Yeah. Context is, plays a huge thing. And that's the only, only like two songs by the police. Is that what Ed Messenger in a Bottle? Like, how dare they? Well, so here's a song that really is problematic by the police. Uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Mm. This is about an infatuation between a high school teacher and his teenage student. Now, he doesn't necessarily act on it in the song, but he certainly wants to. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's more problematic than da-da-da-da-da-da. That does sound problematic. That just sounds stupid. Number four on their list is Parents Just Don't Understand by The Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, which was a huge hit for Will Smith in 88. Um, I wouldn't have known that the, these were the lyrics because I didn't really listen to the song that much, but there's a part that goes... The sunroof was open, the music was high, and this girl's hand was steadily moving up my thigh. She had opened up three buttons on her shirt so far. I guess that's why I didn't notice that police car. We're doing 90 in my mom's new Porsche, and to make this long story short short, when the cop pulled me over, I was scared as hell. I said, I don't have a license, but I drive very well, officer. I almost had a heart attack that day. Come to find out the girl was a 12-year-old runaway. <laughs> Yikes. I was arrested. The car was impounded. There was no way for me to avoid being grounded. Yo, oh that's God. hilarious. Oh that's God. hilarious. Now, in their defense, in the defense of, uh, of Jazzy Jeff and the French, Fresh Prince, he didn't know she was a 12-year-old runaway. Yeah, <laughs> that mean, came as a surprise. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did. I think the fact that it's in there at all is rather disturbing. Uh, yeah, I, don't know. I just I I thought that was hilarious. That was a great break to what was happening. It's like in a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like watching TV and then you find out. Wait, yeah, I think yeah. if you're we saw it. that in a movie nowadays, like would that would that scene even be okay? If she looked like she was like 18, and then at the end, the punchline was like, yeah, she's 12. Yeah. As, if nothing actually sexual happened, if it only went as far as like the thigh touching. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be yeah. okay, but it's. He, he, but then it's, it's also funny because he also got his dress desserts in the middle of that. The cop is arresting him from right. anything. So that's why and I, he's being grounded. Yeah, right. like, that's why I find it so <laughs> the nice. grounded part is the is I don't know that, that well. And also he's sixteen in the song, right? So it's he's not like a forty year old man. Yeah, I 
I think that it's another context. So he's a teen thinking he's picking up another teen, and he's actually picking up a 12 year old. Which, honestly, like, when I was in middle school, like, that's what was going... I mean... Oh, please, you were having sex with everyone. <laughs> well... Oh, wow. But like my friends, like my my, I remember in middle school, my girlfriends who were twelve were like dating sixteen year olds. Like it's not. I I think that that is, and I think that still is happening. Sure. Number five on the list is "Girls" by the Beastie Boys from nineteen eighty seven. You guys know this song. Mm. Girls. Dun, 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 dun. All I really want is oh, girls. Yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. There's a lot. <laughs> JB's dancing. There's a lot of lyrics like. Um, I want them to clean my house. I want them to cook for me. It's just a lot of stereotypical male, toxic male bullshit. The Beastie Boys, I think, were being ironic. And I think they trusted us to know that. Um, and actually, Scary Mommy says that too. They say, I love the Beastie Boys with a fiery passion, and I suspect that they wrote this song to get a rise out of listeners, especially since they later matured into thoughtful, progressive men who regularly spoke out about their respect for women. But... Wow, how did I ever think Girls was the least bit funny? I changed the radio station if this comes on when my kids are in the car and when they're not. Do you also change the radio station when Janet comes on? It's all for you. Mm -hmm. Well, what's wrong with that? It's about dick riding. Yeah, but it's not sexist. Actually, so there's another part about this song. Uh, Girls is apparently about a girl that... Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys likes, but she doesn't like him back, so he assumes she's gay. Oh, uh, well, that's probably That's a little problematic. And then the last one on their list is such bullshit, it's We Are the Champions by Queen. Stop. First of all, not an 80s song, Scary Mommy. No, it came out in 1977. No, you're shit. It's no time for losers because we are the champions. It's making fun of losers, which is being a bully. Oh my God, she, she's a white supreme okay. mama with loser kids who yes. can't win anything. That's what she is right now. She's Scary she, mommy, if you're listening, you're, you're canceled. Basic. You're basic. <laughs> she, claims that, she claims that she understands that it's Queen who are the underdogs in the story and that um, it's the mean people who are the losers, but she does think that this might make some kids think that it's okay to call people losers and be bullied. Um, here, William Bill's character. Here are two songs from the 80s that I would have put on this list in place of, of some of those bullshit ones. The first is Funky Cold Medina by Tone Loke. Do you guys know this? No. no. This was a really catchy hip-hop song. Um, Funky Cold Medina is essentially a date rape drug. Ooh. The whole song is about how if you give women this Funky Cold Medina, they'll do anything you want. They'll turn into sexual freaks. Okay. But there's one verse in particular that's really bad. It goes as follows. I kind of want to sing it. Oh, God. He's such a good rapper, uh, Tone Loke. It's, um, I went up to this girl. She said, hi, my name is Sheena. I thought she'd be good to go with a little funky cold Medina. She said, I'd like a drink. I said, I'm okay. I'll go get it. Then a couple sips, she cold licked her lips, and I knew that she was with it. So I took her to my crib, and everything went well as planned. But then she got undressed. It was a big old mess. Sheena was a man. Oh, no. So I threw him out. I don't fool around with no Oscar Mayer wiener. You oh. must be sure that the girl is pure for the funky cold Medina. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. That's a problem. Very problematic. <laughs> that's a problem. Like, that's an example of, like, no. No, no, no. That doesn't. And that... they still play that on Sirius XM on uh, 80s on 8 all the time. Because yeah. I listen to that station. Can I tell you before we move on, the first time I ever was aware of a potentially problematic lyric, I can't remember what year this song came out, but you know the song, You kids on the block and a hunt in this. The lyric goes, Chinese food makes me sick. Yes. Yeah. It's that, it's that really annoying song. I, whatever the band is. But, and there is a line that says, Chinese food makes me sick. And I remember... I don't know if it was my mom or if it was like just being like that is not that is not okay like that is problematic and I remember in thinking summer, like whoa something about the summer in the summer I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch yeah but the lyric Chinese food makes me sick which like is is could be considered offensive to Asian well, people except that Chinese food American Chinese food has nothing to do with Chinese people or China right. It's 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 an American cuisine that that was created. But here. it's just funny thinking back to that because I I never listened to like a ton of rap. I, I, like I was a very like you know sheltered 
like under a rock musical theater. Yeah. So like that like, oh was like god. I was like oh my god. Well, the second and final song I would Ooh, add to the list. Offensive. Sorry. The second and final song I'd add to the list. Speaking of Asian Americans, is "Turning Japanese" by The Vapors. Oh my god. Oh. Now, not only is the song problematic because it's called "Turning Japanese" and it goes. I think I'm turning Japanese. I'm really turning Japanese. Mm. I really think so by like a white British band. But here's what really made the song offensive is that there was an urban legend that I believed was true till I started researching this for this uh, episode that the song is about masturbation and coming and the face that you make when you're coming oh. is supposed to look like you're turning Japanese. The lead singer of The Vapors, David Fenton, swears that it is not about that, and he doesn't know where that idea came from. He says the song is about teenage angst. <laughs> but regardless, it's definitely problematic for a white person to sing that he's turning Japanese. Plus, they, these creepy lyrics are repeated over and over again. I've got your picture. I've got your picture. I'd like a million of you all over myself. I want a doctor to take your picture so I can look at you from inside as well. That does sound like masturbation. That's what actually. I was thinking. Like, yeah. a million of you all over myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. little sperm. And little... I want a doctor to take your picture so I can look at you from inside as well. I mean, that's creepy. And then throughout the song, they use the so-called Oriental riff, which is... Like, over and over again, that plays. So, I think Turning Japanese literally shouldn't be played anymore. Yeah. I would take that off the air. Yeah, Scary um, Mommy, um, I think you need to update And they your missed out, list. right? I, so fuck you, Scary Mommy. And now I wish I had written the... <laughs> fuck you, Scary Mommy. <laughs> now I wish I had done the article for BuzzFeed. Fuck them. Fuck everybody. Um, some really exciting news, I think, uh, over the past couple weeks, is that Lil Nas X has been named Chief Impact Officer for Taco Bell. <laughs> this is a partnership with uh, Lil Nas X to coincide with the release of his eagerly anticipated debut album. Can you believe he hasn't had an album out I know, yet? I know. And Isn't it, that crazy? It was just, it's just been singles. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, his honorary role with the fast food giant will see him appearing in its new breakfast campaign and inspire some menu innovations. You know, Taco Bell is huge. That's yeah. as big as like, not as big maybe, but it's in the same league as McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, yeah. KFC. It's one of the major American fast food brands. And the fact that they want an openly gay power bottom, sexually power free, bottom. sexually explicit black power bottom. Like it, I love it. I, I love, love it. That it's going to piss people off. Literally anything he does, I am obsessed with. Like I just – He's the best. He tweeted recently something about Power Bottom era, and I retweeted Same King because it is my Power Bottom era too, and Power Bottoms need representation, and he is, he is the perfect spokesperson. Well, part of what makes this so perfect is that he worked at a Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, that's right. Back in 2017, and now five years later, he's this like global superstar, and he's becoming the chief impact officer. So it's basically just a publicity role. Um, but it's great for him. It's great for queer people. He also... I am loving it. He just recently posted these pictures of himself. Have you seen his pregnancy photos that People Magazine published? He's doing some like PR for the <laughs> album where he's literally like... Like the Demi belly. Moore on yeah. Vanity Fair. That's hilarious. It's so funny. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Gigi Good came out as trans non-binary. Mm -hmm. uh, how major a queen is she, Ryan? Oh, I don't really so remember good. her. So she was in the top four for season oh. 12. So she, people, there were a lot of people that thought she should have beat Jada Essence Hall. Beaten. Beaten Jada Essence Hall mm -hmm. for uh, winner of season 12. The thing that I found very um, interesting about this is that she actually, she was the first person to come out as gender fluid, I believe, on the show. Because people have come out as trans before, but the the, the label gender fluid, she, on her season... There was a there was a moment where she was like, I I've never said this before, but I identify as gender fluid. So we did see the I, I always had this feeling of like this is a journey for her. This is something that like is beginning now. This this is the sea because she was twenty one. Like, you know, she's yeah. so young. And I think it's just a reflection of like she comes from a really supportive family. She like 
her her mom being her like costume designer like she she supports her she gets it and like she's of the generation where it's like they just are really like open to living their most authentic lives yeah. i love it well on an 8 minute long instagram video she um announced that she had begun the process of hormone replacement therapy and she had just undergone facial uh feminizing facial surgery and she's not she doesn't identify as as a woman, but she does want to use uh, she, her pronouns for now and considers herself trans non-binary. And, um, you know, good for her. I think there's a, as you said, there's a journey going on with a lot of drag queens. Yeah. Um, ones who have been on RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm sure many who have not. Um, because they, I think they realize that they identify it's more than just a performance. Right. They really actually identify with with some or with all of the femininity of the characters that they create, and they realize like, oh, I'm actually a woman, or or I'm non-binary, or I'm you know fluid. So good for her. Good um, for I her. want to skip to this pilot story, JB, the TMI pilot, because we're running out of time, and I want to make sure we have time for it. It's amazing audio. Video and audio of a strange incident aboard an American Airlines flight has gone viral. I want you to picture this. You're on an American Airlines flight. The flight lands, and they've turned off the no seatbelt sign, and you're gathering your stuff, and you're in that long line waiting to get off the plane, and suddenly you hear the pilot talking about this over the PA system. I was raped or molested as a young boy. It does not matter whether it was... You can go ahead, go if you need to. It does not matter whether it was a family member or friend or stranger. It happened, and I was um, left to deal with it alone. Though I was raised by Christians in the church, I never felt like I could share that with anyone. I screamed to God every night that he would take away my sins and thoughts and resulting homosexual tendencies. My life spent, kept spiraling out of control. I became a sexual addict and turned to pornography. That's okay. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable. Um, I just want you to hear me. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. but I became a sexual addict, turned to pornography. I thought sexual thoughts about both men and women sort of messing around with others who had similar tendencies. Uh, 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 <laughs> the entire rant lasted about three minutes, with passengers standing dumbfounded trying to get off the plane. The pilot also detailed a failed marriage to a woman coming out as gay and how he became a pilot. In the video, one passenger begins reading the safety manual with his head down on a service tray, apparently trying to block out the event. So why didn't you just get off? You couldn't. You know how long it takes to get off a plane? Like they're That's literally, why I'm like, you're stuck there. It's a what, captive audience. What was he, this is, seems very intentional then. Like he wanted people to hear him. He wanted to be heard. He wanted like. Well, American Airlines has since released a statement saying the pilot accessed the public address system upon landing and made troubling comments until a crew member could intervene to our, uh, by the way, he wasn't a United Airlines pilot. He was a pilot for one of their subsidiaries. And I don't think he was actually flying that plane. I think he was um, what they call deadheading, where you're just riding in the cockpit to get to your next uh, destination. But um, anyway, they said, uh, to our affected passengers, we apologize for your experience. And what you heard does not reflect our values. The airline also clarified that here, that he didn't work for American Airlines, but for subsidiary Envoy Air. Quote, this was nothing more than a very, very public cry for help, said veteran pilot Steve Cowell. Um, he said that to Inside Edition. Queerty says they hope the pilot in question has since found the mental health counseling he needs. Um, the thing is, if you listen to the whole thing, it goes on for three minutes, like they said. By the end, he's talking about the love of Christ healing him. And so I have a feeling he's an ex-gay mm. and he was trying to proselytize. Mm. Like, okay. In which case, fuck him. Yeah. So here, I feel this was all also planned by the airline people because if you're in the cockpit with the other pilots who are actually flying the plane, why right. why does he have a why the hell does he have a mic? <laughs> right. Why is like, that guy mic? They, yeah. How the f did you do this? Y'all all planned this together. Don't you just say, oh, this was just him? <laughs> no, all y'all was probably getting that. drunk in the cockpit and just telling your deep dark stories. He was sucking dick. No, <laughs> yeah. Is our I, guest on the line? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know about that, but it is, it just, I mean, it's kind of hilarious and kind of like, I think they should do an SNL sketch well, version of it. It's, yeah, it's hilarious, but it's also like, 
disturbing. Like he just he because of the time in which that when you were like picture this, I was literally right. thinking like when I'm in that moment of wanting to get off the plane, I'm like it's so tense. Get me off this plane. Right. Like, and you literally can't move. You cannot There's move. There's this long line of people standing in the aisle that doesn't move for 15 minutes, and you never know why. So to be there in that moment and then be forced to hear someone's, like, trauma and have no, like, it's just this, no. I just, I'm a sucker for any use of a PA system that is not that is inappropriate. Like, it always <laughs> makes me laugh. Yeah. It takes me back to when I was a child and I saw the movie Airplane. And they're like, the white zone is for loading and unloading only. And then a different voice is like, the red zone is for unloading and no load. And they start arguing with each other. And it's like, no, the white zone. They're like, this is about our marriage, isn't it? You wanted to have the abortion. Oh, my God. <laughs> this whole fight over the PA system. Um, quick, quick story. When yes. we were coming back from L.A., we were waiting in line to get um, some coffee and – we watched this couple try to pull up to a gate and they had just like missed the boarding for their flight. And the boyfriend was like, what the fuck? Screaming and like making a big scene and like asking this woman to like get her supervisor. And you know how like it has been reported lately that like on airplanes, people are, you know, refusing to wear masks and like beating up um, flight attendants and all that stuff. Like, and getting taped down. Yeah, all that observe. stuff. I hadn't, I hadn't seen anything like that because I haven't been traveling, but this was the closest thing. And when she left him and his girlfriend there, he grabs the like microphone, the, like the phone intercom, and is like, "Hey, hi, I'm still here." Like, and everyone around us is laughing because he's like, he's like causing such a scene. He's got himself on the microphone. And he's like, "I'm still waiting for that supervisor." It's like people. It is funny when people get on intercoms and it's inappropriate. It is funny. That's hilarious. I, I'm sorry. I'm just texting. I don't know, guys. girl. It, okay, so to me that. That's annoying. Yeah. Cause like here, cause one, you're wrong. You missed your boarding and stuff. Yeah. And now you're on the loudspeaker being loud and ignorant, and acting real dumb. <laughs> because like again, if she was if she was a dark skinned person, this wouldn't have happened. Someone would have been on that ass. Probably. Or she would have been arrested for touching. Yeah. No. It was a stuff. complete like display of privilege. But yeah. It's just there's that uncomfortable like when you do, when you're like a bystander and you don't know what to I do. I love being a bystander yeah. when shit like that's going on. I just I find it very funny. Let's quickly do the pride update while we uh, wait for Suzanne oh, Westenhofer to connect so with us. Hit it, Ryan. Do some dancing. I wish I could. We really have to videotape you doing your dance. He is living his best life. <laughs> Here we go. Do it, Ryan. Love. <laughs> Love can take us there. I want to be anywhere. Tonight. Tonight. Okay, this just in. Suzanne Westenhofer is having a family emergency and uh, cannot call in. All right. All right. Well, fortunately, we still have lots of stories to do, and I'm I still have to do the Pride, uh, Pride update. All right. Hold on one second. Okay. I was all set to announce that it was Austin Pride and London, England Pride today, but then I went to their websites and found out they had been canceled due to COVID. Oh, no. COVID. Is that what you just said? COVID. So, I believe it is still Pride in Laguna Beach, California. It's actually not Pride. It's what they call Pride 365. It's their end of summer white party in Laguna Beach. Hmm. But it is Pride September 18th and 19th in Nashville, Tennessee. Once again, check local listings. Um, I also found out that we missed a, a Pride event that sounds like it was really fun. It's called Big Boy Pride in Orlando, Florida. Yes. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. It happened August 12th through 16th, and it's for men of size and their admirers. Hmm. And I feel like it's something our friend Steve Cesaro would hey, Steve. very much like to attend if he hasn't already. So look for Big Boy Pride, big boys and big boy lovers, in Orlando, Florida next year. Uh, I'm going to now answer Work. the... Should I answer the phone and talk to Suzanne? She's call she's sure. calling me. Uh, I mean, I think me and Ryan can fill in for like this a couple. This is getting messy. Fill in. All right, you fill in. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. So Oops. JB, what's the tea? Okay, so I'm looking at these pregnancy photos for Lil Nas. X. Oh my god. Okay, yes. They are so good because you can't even tell it's a belly. I know. Like, it looks real good. As I wish I was, I wish I was there for the main event when he was actually. Is doing he it. just? But he's just like sticking his his belly out, right? Or or are there? I think I think it's a prosthetic. 
Oh. Like, yeah, because we all seen his body. She yeah. is she's but you a know twink, how, twink. But you know how even, like, even, like, the really skinny people, like, if they if they push their stomach out enough, it can look... But, girl, that's too far out. Can you turn out. it? Okay. I gotta see yes. this. Because this is too far out. Because you can oh. see how big it... She's, like, nine months pregnant. Wait, I haven't seen that photo. I've only <laughs> seen the one with the flower crown. The flower. Yeah. It, like, the bathroom photo really proves it. Like, this is a prostate. Because she oh is my God. a whale. Girl, He's a so whale. Cute. I'm just like... I live for these photos, and I want to. This is how I want to be while I'm pregnant. There or, was a tweet I just saw that he retweeted where it was like they talked about the Fairly Odd Parents and how Cosmo. <laughs> there was an episode where he was pregnant. Yes, with Poof. <laughs> and I guess Nickelodeon <laughs> tweeted it, and he retweeted it, and was like, um, "Nickelodeon's trying to tell y'all that stop being brand new because this has already happened." Yeah, before, this already right? happened before with Cosmo. Is JB Suzanne's gonna try to connect via. Uh... Oh. Oh, I already okay. So give me. I said all back up again. Oh my goodness. Well, she she said yeah, she couldn't said do it. Yeah, you did say that. You know what? I'm just gonna have her call. <laughs> Meet me God damn all it. the way. What's the studio number? Suzanne. What? All right, all right. I'll do this story in the meantime. A man got six kidney beans stuck in his dick. Oh my god. The New York Post is calling it Jack and the Bean Block. He was. Uh, <laughs> This is what they say. A Randy, Michigan man redefined cockblock after he got six kidney beans lodged in his urethra during a bizarro attempt at sexual gratification. The unnamed 30-year-old patient had reportedly wanted to express the beans during ejaculation. Beans, beans, and nothing but beans. This is going to make you guys scream. Listen to this. Uh, This was, by the way, in the journal Urology Case Reports, which is my favorite magazine. Uh, the sexual eccentric shoved six kidney beans in his urethra and attempted to expel them via natural emission. However, his pea shooter jammed during the process, prompting him to try to remove them with tweezers. No. No. When that failed, he reported no. to the hospital where he informed doctors that he was struggling to pee. Uh, You've heard of kidney stones. Those here's kidney beans. In your Dick hole. That's horrible. That's Kids, so don't sad. try this at home. Please don't. People have too much time on their hands. Uh, meanwhile, our guest is ready, and she's an ass favorite. She was actually, uh, as I said last week, our guest on episode four of The Ass way back in 2017. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Suzanne Westenhofer. Hit it, JB. We're supposed to say, and how many letters are in gay anymore? And LGBTQRIFQY, Roman numeral, pi. I don't know. What's that about? We were used to just be gay or lesbian and gay, and now it's a letter for everybody. Everybody gets a letter. You know what? You, and let me just say this straight up. You're an ally. You don't get a letter. Fuck that. Come on. You're, you're good. You don't need your fucking A. You're fine. Take it down. We appreciate, but you know. And here's the thing, I didn't even, I didn't know I was gay, right? I didn't know. I had to tell my mom at some point. I I was in the theater department, so for a long time I I did maybe think I was a gay man, but uh, (laughs) totally different show. (laughs) But uh, you know, because I was what they call a um, a successful heterosexual. As a, a, a whore. Thank you. Woo, my teen years. Oh, my God, they were fun. But they, it was. I was like, I, for, when I was 14, I had a one-year relationship with the married 41-year-old man who lived across the street. All right, not a relationship so much as a crime. But we didn't have SVU then. So I didn't know. But he went to jail, so I stopped seeing him. And... Um, and joining us all the way from Los Angeles, please give a warm-ass welcome to Suzanne Westenhofer. Hello. Mm-hmm. Are you there? Yes, are you there? <laughs> oh, it's a warm-ass welcome. <laughs> well, because we're the ass. We're the Adam Sank Show. I get it. It's I love pun. it. It's a play on words. Suzanne, I'm glad that you're okay and that you're joining us. We were worried about you. I understand my, you. My fault, 100%. You Sorry. were rescuing... Uh, a friend from the t- the horrible uh, Lake Tahoe fires. Right. So right. So awful what's going on. It's, I don't even know how, like, which thing do you want to be upset about right now is right. really where. Right. 
exactly. where our world is. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show. It's been way too Yay. long. Um, that's a crazy story that you told in that clip that we just played. Can you elaborate on that bit? Is that, is that that's true? Yeah. You had a. It a, is. What the fuck? Well, first of all, this is important. I never do anything in my shows. Never tell any of my sto stories that are not true. Me too. I don't make up stuff. You yep. know. Yep. Right. Um, when I was fourteen, I had. Uh, I actually, I can now look at it and say I had a crush on this woman who lived across the street, but I obviously didn't know I was gay, and I would always be across the street trying to be in her world anytime I could be. And uh, then she, this is horrible but true, she would say, oh, my husband, who she wasn't sleeping with anymore, they were in the, they, they would get divorced within like a year or so, um, she would say, oh, but my husband, I'm not going to use first names here, uh, he just thinks you're such a pretty girl that you could be with anything. Like, she really, like, focused on my crush, trying to make my crush be on him. Hmm. I know. I look at it even now. So I weird. go, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Did she groom me for him? Maybe. And, but even that, like, he had never been involved with anyone younger prior. So well, it only takes so... once to True. be committing a crime. Oh, yeah, well, it was. And so uh, in a very brief time, then I just sort of, I don't even know how I had, I didn't force it to happen, but I started to make, say, oh, yeah, I have, now I have a crush on him. But again, I was doing that because it got her attention. right. And then uh, just as I was turning 14, when anyone who pays attention to you, you fall in love with. Yes. Um, he was always very sweet to me, very nice. He was not inappropriate. It's the weirdest thing. He never, like, pushed that at me. But I threw myself at him for uh, a couple of weeks, and then he caught. <laughs> he caught me. Uh, he caught me through. And uh, I had... Uh, like uh, over a year we snuck around, I think. And I I feel, even though it's 100% his responsibility, 100%, he was 41 years old, I was 14. Yeah, Come on. Right. But um, nothing happened that I didn't want to. In fact, I, I, thought, I thought I was an adult. I, the way 14-year-olds can, you know right. what I mean? And I thought I was the one controlling the entire relationship. Well, and also, and I, I would never defend your abuser or anyone's abuser, but I do feel like things were fucking different in the 70s. Completely. Right? And like, it never felt like abuse, and there was no actual, there was no actual physical or mental abuse. He wasn't trying to, like, he wasn't saying things like, oh, why don't you skip class and meet me here, stuff like that. It was always me going, you know, I can get away without being in uh, seventh period and cut out early and meet you at such and such, you know? Right. I was the one doing the... Right, and the, the 70s, I feel like, was a decade that had very poor boundaries. It's like where all the True. boundaries of society that are there for a reason kind of imploded, and people lost their minds and started also, doing things that we now look at and go, what, how could anyone what? do that? Like, how could Roman Polanski think that it was okay to have sex with a 13-year-old, right. to drug her and have sex with her. And how did people defend well, that, him? Well, that gets ugly because now you're talking about drugging her. Right, but people defended him, Suzanne, and he defended himself. Yeah, and it was kind of like, oh, she wanted it. It's like, it doesn't matter what she wanted. She's 13. Right, and that's how I feel about this one. I wanted it. I forced it. But I it doesn't matter. I made it happen. But ultimately, when you're a 41-year-old man, you have to be responsible. Right, because you can put yourself in that place now as, as a grown-ass woman. Oh, my God. You know, I would never... I, I've had... You know, I had a 17-year-old on, once on Instagram send me his dick pic. And I was like, do not ever send me this again. Mm. And I blocked him. I don't want I, I an underage penis in my phone, you know, of any kind. Because you're responsible. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, for one thing, I'm not attracted to to younger people, but right. also I don't want to go to fucking prison. Oh, this guy bought me a T-bird. He bought me jewelry. Um, 
not like to get things underway, but after, after we had been doing this for like six, eight months, because he believed we were going to get married as soon as I was 16. Jesus. So I don't know if he just was... How long uh, did he stay in prison? Minutes. That's how I feel. Like, they, like he went to... He didn't even stay in prison. They yeah. like took him to prison and then... My mom and my my mom talked me into dropping the charges because of how it would look for me. Back then, you know, it was small town. Did you ever have uh, contact with him again? Uh, not really. He moved out of town. Yeah. He uh, he was humiliated too. and up and moved out of town. That's Got married, lived. He died like five years ago. Wow. Do you? I mean, clearly at one time you felt you found men somewhat sexually attractive. Do you, do you ever find men sexually attractive now? I can't say sexually attractive, but I, I definitely still can, like I can look at cutie little Harry Styles and go, oh my God, if I were 14, right. his poster would be up in my room. Right. But he's also kind of androgynous. He certainly is. He's so That's pretty. true. You started doing comedy at a very different time, culturally speaking. Oh, my God. Do you feel... Yes. <laughs> the, I mean, do you, you, you did, even before I did, and, and for me it's changed so much, but do you feel the pressure of what they call cancel culture on your stand-up these days? Are you watching every word that you say very carefully? A little. A, yes, I'm going to say a little, because... And I, because who's gotten the people who have gotten in in my world you 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 probably feel this too the people that have gotten like sort of sensitive and unfunny are the gay community from the 20s from their 20s to like the 40s yeah yeah they they're very sensitive about everything and it's weird because i i'm like all the things we fought for marched for what I put my, a career on the line for, you know what I mean? They now are like, oh, we shouldn't say it that way or we shouldn't do it. Because, for example, to make a point, I did openly gay stand-up. I started in 1990 as an openly gay stand-up, openly lesbian stand-up. And I would say things like, hey, I call myself a faggot. Now they don't even want you to use the word faggot. Right. Or... The word tranny was taught to me by my friends who were transgender because they liked it because right. they thought it was cute, you know, as opposed to transsexual. Right. They were like, um, oh, man, no, I'm a tranny. I'm not a transsexual. Like, they didn't like that word. And then all of a sudden that word became not okay. And yet if you talk to older trans, trans folk, they remember when tranny was kind of cute. Right. It's like, I'm a tranny. I mean, some of this is we're just old, right? Like, we're getting old. I guess so. And, we, and things are changing. And things are changing. And things are always changing. Things changed dramatically from the 50s to oh, when right? we, from, from the 50s to the 90s and from the 90s to the 2020s. Like, shit changes. Things that were once okay are not okay. And it's sort of our responsibility as artists to be aware of that. To try but to find out. Yes, to be aware and find out. But and, I do feel uh, like with stand-up, there's something that's been lost when we have to be so careful. Because when, when I, my era of stand-up in the early 2000s, it was like the more offensive you could be, the more shockingly offensive you could be, the more people thought you were funny. Right. And the, the Andrew Dice Clay. Well, right. I mean, that was earlier than me. But oh, it is, yeah. I'm true. thinking of Sarah Silverman's early stuff. Remember okay. Sarah Silverman? Yep. Sarah Silverman would get on stage and she would play a character who was a terrible person. Right. And said terrible things. And, right. you know, she evolved a lot. And in some ways, I think she's a better comic now. But you knew when you were watching Sarah Silverman that she didn't actually believe the things she was saying that she was trying to be the most disgusting person she could be, and there was a wink and a nod. Right. And that's, you can't do that anymore. There's no way to do that now, because everyone just takes you, everything you say literally, even though it's supposed to be a joke. I think the, for comics, it's up to us to continue to be the court jesters, meaning I can't allow myself 
to any big degree to get caught up in cancel culture, and most comics shouldn't. You still have to say the things that are funny and that are your truth. In saying that, it's it's never been funny about rape. Right. Right? I mean, there are a handful of things that even the harshest male comic, you know what I mean, knows is going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. But it, it's I if you... If you make politically correct and all that kind of stuff part of stand-up comedy, then there is no stand-up comedy. Because we come from the court jester who was allowed to say the things that no one nobody else, else was could allowed say. to say right. in front of the king. Right. So it has to, we can't, if you change that, then now you're, you're, you're looking at basically canceling the idea of stand-up comedy. Right. Suzanne, we have about four minutes left, but we've never gotten to play Ask Me No Questions with you because the game didn't oh. exist the last time you were on the show. So here we say, go. That doesn't Ask sound familiar. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Here we go. What's the sexiest part of a woman's body? Her butt. Oh, you're a butt woman. Yeah. Ryan likes butts too, my co-host. He can nice. sympathize. Who is your celebrity crush? Uh, the first one was an actress named Susan Hayward. Oh, yeah. Very famous in the 40s, 50s. Yes, she was in Valley of the Dolls. Yes. That's an interesting celebrity crush. Oh, I used to, oh, I loved, loved her. Love, love, love. Who would you say, like, contemporary crush? Maybe Kristen Stewart. She's way too young. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, because they're so much younger. She's sexy. Because it would feel creepy. But I'm going to say probably Kristen Stewart. What's the first joke you ever told on stage? Um... Uh, I, I said, well, good evening. I, I guess I'll be the only lesbian co comedian that performs tonight. And then I went, that you know of. <laughs> That's cute. And it was, yeah. And then I said something like, I called myself the lesbian Barbie because my mom gave me all these Barbie dolls, but she never understood why there were all these chew marks on the neck. <laughs> you were like molesting your Barbies. Right. That's funny. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to give you an 1990, F 1990, dude. 1990. Come on. <laughs> Look, different times. <laughs> I'm going to give you an F, Mary, kill. Have you played this game before? I have. Now, we always pick three people with the same name as the guest, but I could only think of two fam oh. famous Suzannes. So one of these is a Susan. Uh, your choices are Suzanne Summers, Suzanne Vega, and Susan Sarandon. F, Mary, kill. Boy, and hasn't this changed? <laughs> kill, this has changed so dramatically. <laughs> Kill Susan Sarandon. Correct. Uh, and then I guess fuck Susan. You said Suzanne Summers, right? Yes. And now I just forgot who the other one was. Suzanne Vega. The singer. Yes. My name is Luca. Yes. Yeah, I'll marry her. She seems like a good, she seems like she might be a good person too. Now you were correct about murdering Susan Sarandon because her political views are, yeah, are she lost unacceptable. This, yeah, she but lost her mind. I would fuck Suzanne Vega because she's kind of a cool chick and I would marry Suzanne Summers because she's got the Thighmaster money. Ooh, I didn't, well, I didn't go for money. She has serious money. Um, I didn't go for money. See, I see that was all, that's the only thing that was different. Which famous comedian least deserves his or her career? <laughs> I love asking this question. Oh, that's a good question, though. Um, um, it was Dane Cook. Yes. Uh, but who now? Who now? Who now? Uh, oh, no. I can't. Oh, wow. I'm trying to think of somebody that's right now has a career. <laughs> Most comedians and don't have like, careers. No, I feel like in the last um, whatever, this, with the pandemic and stuff, it's like, are there comics? Do we still do this? I know, That's I know. how I feel. Are you getting back Which, on the road now that uh, COVID is sort of over, but not really? Um, I'm attempting it. I'm a little concerned. I'm a lot concerned. I'm trying to be chill. I'm trying to be all cool. Um, but I'm going to try. I've been vaxxed. And Good. the place that the next place that I'm trying to do a show, um, the club is as asking for vaccination, proof of vaccination. I mean, doing we're, what I can do. We're gonna have to leave it there, because, Suzanne Westenhofer. Yeah. We love you. Thank you so much for doing I the love show. You, Adam. Uh, stay safe out there. Tune in next week to hear a brand new ask. Our guest will be comedian Drew Lausch. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ask merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me on Twitter and Insta at adamsank. 
and on TikTok at Adam Sank Official. Follow Ryan at Ryan Frosting. Follow JB at Stocking Anarchy 12. Follow me, uh, email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Goodbye.